1: Welcome to the Kingdom Hour. This is Reverend Dr. Donna Ghani, and we thank you for being with us th- tonight. We have a very special guest with us, and her name is Spencer Tyler, and I'm going to call her Sister Spencer Tyler because she is um, a woman of God in in Christ, and so we are all sisters in Christ as we are in Christ. A- amen? So amen. we want to get started. Amen. So we want to get started here, and um, again, you're listening to the Kingdom Hour on KEIFM Radio, which is our digital radio channel under Kingdom Empowerment, Inc., and so um, we would like to start off with prayer. Uh, Sister Spencer, would you like to lead us in a short prayer? Sure. Or as the Lord Uh, leads you.
2: Amen. Father in heaven, I thank you on today. I thank you on today for um, allowing us to come together during this kingdom hour to be able to seek your face and to be able to tell testimonies and how we've gotten over um, because you have given us a testimony and placed it on all of our hearts to be able to share to the world, to bring people into your fold, to bring people to the gospel, to bring people uh, within you, within Christ. We thank you for allowing us to be able to convene together as sisters under um, your love and care and ask that the Holy Spirit guide us and guide us throughout this interview as well as throughout throughout this program so that we could know what it's like to be in power as, as we are kingdom kids um, uh, and kingdom children of yours. So we thank you for allowing us again to be able to come together. And we pray all these things in the name of your uh, wonderful son, Jesus Christ. Amen.
1: Amen. Amen. And we want to thank you again for uh, coming to the program tonight, uh, Sister Spencer. And, you know, I want to tell the audience a little bit about you. Um, So, Spencer Tyler is an ex-Jehovah Witness, and she's now living in Christ. And I'm sure that she had a very, uh, you know, a journey that was probably a little challenging along the way um, in leaving the Jehovah Witness um, ministry. But we're going to talk a little bit more about that, and she's going to share. But she was involved for 20 years in the street evangelism as a Jehovah Witness and she had a firsthand experience of watching people on the streets being broken and, and watching the uh, the different things that are going on in society as we see it now. And it may be on some of your, your own blocks or in your own backyard. Um, but she experienced it, her and her husband, and she was involved in um, prayer ministry, Bible study, outreach ministry, and uh, through that, Um, It blossomed out to be uh, a different season and um, a providential brokenness for them. And so they are seasoned speakers, her and her husband, and they have 10 years of experience in in, uh, conducting ministerial training, coaching, and conducting private Bible study in the home. So she she is experienced, and, you know, um, a lot of that came from being with the Jehovah Witness, but now she's moved on toward spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. And uh, if you want to learn more about them, you can go to their website, which is org. But let's uh, welcome our guest, um, Sister Spencer Tyler. Hello.
2: <laughs> hello, hello, everybody. Thank you for having me.
1: Okay, well, we certainly welcome you, um, and are very happy to have you here as well. Um, would you like to tell the audience a little bit more about yourself, Sister Spencer?
3: Well,
2: sure. Um, I am a second generation, born in Jehovah's Witness, which basically means that my parents were Jehovah's Witnesses, and I was raised as a Jehovah's Witness. So. I haven't outside of the con- I have no I had no concept of church or a Christian community outside of the Jehovah's Witnesses because that's all I knew growing up. My mother converted um to being a Jehovah's Witness when I was very young. I was five years old. I do remember or have some memories of um doing things that are not sanctioned by the Jehovah's Witnesses, such as birthdays and holidays before then just vague memories, but I do remember that our life changed radically. Um, I do rem- a- after uh, so many years, uh, my father eventually followed her into the religion and became a family religion. So, um, but now, as you stated before, I am a witness for Christ. Amen. So I- I've had the privilege of helping some of my family members leave, leave the religion, namely my husband. I, I- praise God from being able to be used as a vessel to be able to uh open his eyes and to for him to accept, you know, Christ as Lord and to accept Christ as God, um, and to and from that deciding that, you know, obviously the Jehovah's Witnesses do not acknowledge those things, uh, especially Christ being God or the deity of Christ. So he made a decision fairly recently, um, after me leaving uh, to not only leave the witness, the jehovah's Witnesses, which we're seeing more and more of people doing that in droves nowadays, but to go from a jehovah 's witness to a christian to go from a jehovah 's witness to christ so um I am just honored um that God to use something out of my experience something out of as you stated brokenness, which I do believe were was, was providential and Helping me and helping others to break the chains of being within a high control religion, um, or some people call a cult, uh, like the Jehovah's Witnesses. But I am also um, a mother of two children. I had a, 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 the privilege also to be able to help break some change for my daughter, who was on well on her way
3: to being a member.
2: Of the Jehovah's Witnesses, and um, people, you know, we were training her very young um, to become a Jehovah's Witness, but she's now embracing the Christian culture, embracing God and Jesus in a way, in a radical way that you know, I, I just blow, you know, it just blows my mind and surpasses any expectations I ever had. You know, in her. Uh, at her leaving Because it was very difficult for her to leave um, But I, As you stated I'm married to a wonderful husband Who also left the Jehovah's Witnesses As I stated he left just recently And we're all um, actively Attending a church in our community And so we um, Left the Jehovah's Witnesses to, follow, to literally Follow Jesus which meant that we left A lot behind Our cross was uh, a lot different Than a person who de- didn't have that background because we left our family behind. We are being shunned after being, ex- well, me being excommunicated, but shunned by our family and by our spiritual community. Everybody we've known, we they treat us as if we're dead because of our decision to leave the Jehovah's Witness community to a Christian community. Wow, so talk a little so, bit about me yeah you know you know that's quite an
1: interesting story, but we now see rejection occurring across border lines of uh even the Christendom um those that have accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior um those that are in uh environments that are supposed to uh, be the authentic church that displays uh, right. that, that covenant relationship of Jesus Christ is happening across the the board. Can you tell us a little bit about how um it was transitioning out of there um, uh, you know out of that environment to another? I know you told me that your family members is shunning you i 'm sure the Uh, people that you had relationships with in the environment are shunning you. But tell us what that was like because to me it would seem kind of traumatic if my family members said today we're no longer communicating with you.
2: Well, it was traumatic. It was very traumatic. I think what started my journey was because Uh, I was being excommunicated before uh, not believing certain things, uh, namely their uh, doctrine of 1914 that Jesus came back. Um, I I hadn't been vocal about it, public about it, but only vocal about it to a few friends.
0: And my
2: Mm -hmm. close family friend um, I learned about four and a half years ago, I believe around, it's been about four and a half years ago, he shot himself over the shunning. He shot himself in the head and killed himself. And um, Um, I was devastated. I mean, I had already had doubts about the religion. Um, I had already come to a a realization which I now look back and know it was God, um, that Jesus, you know, believing that Jesus is God, believing that I needed to declare him as my Lord and Savior, You know, a lot of doctrines that they were teaching were not mainstream doctrines. And so it was a rude awakening for me. It was like somebody just threw a bucket of water on me. I I was not ready. Um, And when he died, it became more of a uh, cemented for me the fact that this could not be God, that no one would kill themselves over you know, being shunned from their spiritual community. Now, when I became more vocal about that with my own family um, after he died, because he was a close family friend, I noticed that they were trying to reason out of it, and, uh, reason out of it to somehow, you know, say that it wasn't, you know, because of the Jehovah's Witness religion, but that he had problems. And then I started to hear more and more and more stories, like so many stories of current Jehovah's Witnesses and former Jehovah's Witnesses who were committing suicide over the shunning. Um, but when I experienced it myself, it was it was hard. I actually, um, about three and a half years ago, I mean, four and a half years ago when this happened, about two weeks after that happened, I had a nervous breakdown. Um, oh. I was, like, emotionally unavailable, uh at times mentally unavailable. I needed so much help, not only from, you know, the medical community just to get back, get my bearings back, but I it was the community, the Christian community that I had embraced after leaving the Jehovah's Witnesses. They surrounded mm-hmm. me. They came from the church. They came to the hospital. They nurtured my family. They continued to nurture and, and 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 pour into my family into this day, but my mother does treat me as if I'm dead. Um, I have family members who will not call me, and and, and who are, my mom has written me out of the will. She has, um, she believes she's doing the work for God because she's being told by the leaders that because I disagree with her about who God is and the way He should be worshipped, that I'm. Uh, somehow a danger to her spiritually and that she needs to protect herself. And so with that, it has turned my life upside down for the last six years. But I tell you, if I didn't have Jesus, I don't know where I would be. Because in, in, even in my loneliest hours when I'm crying, because my mother recently had a bout with cancer, um, mm-hmm. and I it, helped, it hurt me to my core that I could be so unavailable to her and that she didn't want me really there because, you know, of her own issues with her feeling like I'm infringing or somehow she's being loyal to God by not talking to me as a leaders, You know, often instruct her over and over again every time she goes to one of the services there. Um, but, it, you know, my husband is also being shunned from his family for uh, simply again deciding to walk away so it's been hard for both of us and especially for me because he has my husband is not excommunicated he hasn't been formally kicked out of the church but i have so it's kind of a division there where there are people that will try to talk to him and try to get him to come back to the jehovah's witnesses whereas me they treat me as if i'm a spiritual leper you know and Mm -hmm. my children don't have the benefit of their Grandparents on either side of the family because the grandparents believe that we are rearing our church, children, rearing our children in a church um, or rearing our children outside of the Jehovah's Witness faith is, susceptible, is leaving them open to being uh, in their worldview that God is going to destroy them. So they must come back. So it's it's really complex. It's it's, it's almost like a psychological war on some levels, um, and it's definitely a spiritual war, because um, I'm often reminded where Jesus tells us that if we're to leave a mother or a father or a brother or a sister for our sake, that He will give us a hundredfold now in this age and in the age to come. And I am truly seeing my hundredfold. Um, with some of my family members who are now looking at me and or looking to me um, as an example of being able to leave and successively leave and be okay. Now my challenge is not to just get people out of the uh, Jehovah's Witnesses, uh, but to help them move from legalism to love in Christ. A lot of people leave, but they, you know, end up, atheists, like my sister, who is also an ex-Jehovah's Witness. So there are a lot of Jehovah's Witnesses who, you know, give up. So that's been my experience with the shunning. Um, I, it's just something I go through day in, day out. I have nights that I cry about it, and I just give it to the Lord, but it is my cross, You know, it's hard to have living parents and living family members who you know you'll see them in the street, and they'll cross over. well so. um, then.
1: God has been my portion. Amen. And uh, that that, that is uh, a very serious and um, detrimental situation, but we're we're just going to keep them in prayers that the Lord will touch their heart and um, turn them around even while they're still breathing because, um, and and that he will open, you know, open up their eyes to see that, that this is not him. Um, right. Yeah, yeah. So, because sometimes we see now that um, people will take a scripture of the Bible and twist it uh, to suit their agenda. And we know that, um, you know, when we look at the bible we look at the pharisees they they were like very critical and to some extent some point that nicodemus came out at nighttime to seek jesus christ he couldn't do it during the day so, yeah he he couldn't do it he was afraid to do it and he was a ruler over the over the law um so we have um you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to jump on uh, the body of Christ in um, and, and this point, but I, w- I want you to tell me, you know, when you transitioned over into the church, you told me how um, that particular church welcomed you in and, and they, how they went there to nurture you through this situation. So did you find uh, this to be a great support to you? Or when you oh, did... yes,
2: especially after leaving because I am a very family-oriented person and I'm a person I like to think that. I mean, I just love people. So it was really hard to walk away from these titles that I held as a Jehovah's Witness. It was hard to walk away from um, what I had worked for. It was It was really hard. It was really hard because I felt like I was coming from, you know being you know ministering on such a level within the Jehovah's Witnesses to now being left with no family, no ministry, no no nothing. Um mm. but um with the church that I attend, Great Community Church here in Detroit, they um you know, it was hard initially going to a church because churches, you know, are generally and this is again not jumping on the body of Christ, but I don't think you know, a lot of us uh, Jehovah's Witnesses don't walk into a church, even after they leave, even if they decide to leave, because of so much of the indoctrination that we we get about churches. That is, you know, if we use terms like "is worldly" or that it's satanic, or that you know that all churches are a conglomerate of Bama on the Great. Just a lot of Revelation type of imagery and terms in order to talk. Derogatory in a derogatory way about churches to reinforce um, our or the Jehovah's Witness faith that they are the only true Christians on earth. So mm. when I went to a church setting, it was very hard for me to transition out of that. As a matter of fact, I remember um, working working at the time, and one of the members of the church um, there worked with me, and she had saw my struggle. Transitioning out of the witnesses, mm-hmm. I was, you know, I worked at a job where it was like fifty percent of Jehovah's Witnesses worked there, so it was really hard once I left because I was. Wow. It was hard to even do my job professionally because they were not talking mm-hmm. to me, and uh, the, in the work yes. environment too. Wow. Yeah. Wow, the work environment. It was really hard. It was hard to mm-hmm. go to lunches by myself and to walk around like I was walking around with the a scarlet letter, like, you know, emblazoned in my skin or somewhere. But she saw me crying one day. And I don't remember what I was crying over that day, particular day, but it had to do with the fact, of course, of me being shunned and not knowing what to do and whether or not I should totally leave or not. And she invited me to church one day. Now, I've been invited to church a lot of times by Christians, but I never took it seriously because as a Jehovah's Witness I didn't think again they were in the right religion if they weren't a Jehovah's Witness so it wouldn't Jehovah's Witnesses don't take invitations to go to other churches. But mm-hmm. I I think I was just desperate for an encounter with God. Just desperate mm-hmm. to know that reinforce that what I was doing was okay. You know?
3: Mm-hmm. And
2: I do apologize. I don't know, I think that's my phone. But in any case, um I Remember going into the parking lot of the church, sitting in the parking lot for about a half hour, and I was crying. And she called mm-hmm. me from the sanctuary and said, "You know, tried to try to coax me in like it's okay. You know, God is here. You are. You need to seek an encounter with Him, and we, we basically we got your back and we're gonna uplift you. This is where you need to be." And she was talking to me and trying to coax me out of the parking lot. And when I first Got out of the parking lot. I went into church and I saw this big old cross. And I, you know, we don't have crosses and we don't even, you know, we don't, well, Jehovah's Witnesses don't believe Jesus died on the cross. So that was, it was the first time I had ever, ever been in the church. So it was just a culture shock. But once I got in there, when I heard the worship in a way that I had not heard it before, when I heard sermons from uh, this pastor that had not, her in a way that you know, the way he was conveying the message was just reach touch me in such a way that it removed so many different chains that I had that you Mm -hmm. know, I just fell into the church and I haven't you know, I've had periods when I where I have um had a complicated relationship with the church, but it's always when I go back and look through the dust or the rubble of why I had a complicated relationship with the church in that season. It has always been because of the hang-ups I have had as a Jehovah's Witness. But I have to say that the church embraced me. Now, I went to a few churches after that that didn't really know how to, um, you know, wrap some, really didn't know how to embrace the fact that I was an ex-Jehovah's Witness. You know, mm-hmm. I didn't have a lot of doctrines right. You know, I didn't have a lot of the church lingo. Like some people who grew up in the church, mm-hmm. they have these the church cliches. Yeah. cliches. Yeah. The cliches is
1: like a, a common cliché across the board, and yeah. it's challenging in a way because you are looking for the realness of God now because you, you're pressed down and you're in a situation where you have been severed out and separated from what you were familiar with. And so now you're looking for uh, a serious relationship. And I I, I can imagine, you know, walking off into a door, you're a stranger, and um, maybe even the usher will say, okay, just come on down and have a seat. Um, one may hug you and say, welcome to, uh, you know, such and such church. Um, one may say, um, hold on one second and I'll find you a seat, you know. But
3: right. being
1: welcomed at that, that first instance in the door is going to make a big difference for you because you, you've already felt rejection and you've already felt so many things there. So... Tell me what that is like, where you said you went to other churches as well,
2: well well, went to other churches um and again, this is not no you knock against the other churches. I just think that you know i i well the church that I'm at now, and you know everybody has to find their own fellowship where they can grow and thrive <laughs> and be in christ sure. and so I was you know trying to figure it out, but I think they didn't really know how to handle me. You know, I had a lot of questions. I had, I mean, this one church, um, it was of a particular association and they are really strict as far as like dress. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, you can't wear skirts. You can't, I mean, skirts are certain lips. You can't listen to certain music. It just reminded me of where I came from. Um, it was, mm-hmm. so I ended up walking. It was, walking away from, trying to walk away from legalism or a legalistic Mm -hmm. mindset. And I quickly, when I walked into some church, well, I had only visited two before, but the two churches that I visited before, they seemed um, almost, not almost as legalistic, but it reminded me of it, um, the way that they carried out certain things. And when I walked in, it's so funny that you said about embracing people when they walk into the church.
1: Because you mm-hmm. don't know where
2: they walk, what they're walking away from. Right. And I think what we took for Christ. So when I walked into this church, I think what stood out to me, the church that I'm currently at, um, where I was baptized at, um, they immediately embraced me. It was people I didn't know. I mean, they didn't know me from Adam. They didn't try uh, to um, quiz me. They didn't quiz me about you know, what I believed in, and, you know, I know Jehovah's Witnesses believe this. Do you believe this and this and that? Because and, at that time, I didn't know where I was, you know, as far as believing I, a lot of the doctrines that, uh, like, hell or, you know, the belief in, that Jesus is God or the Trinity and some of the hot blood issues. Those things I hadn't explored or even researched because I hadn't been told all my life these were lies. But there was no pressure. And the pastor there you know, even when I was in a hurry to go ahead and sign up and join this church and become a member, I think he saw in me the fact, in my husband, I think I've always appreciated that he he knew a little bit about the Jehovah's Witnesses enough to know, to tell me, hey, when you, I want, before you run into another relationship with another church, I need you to just be, <laughs> just breathe, just Mm-hmm. You've been running. You've been crying. You've been worrying. You've been fretting. You've been just come and just rest in God's presence for a while. Just and mm-hmm. grow up, you know, and and you know, mature in the faith. And I always appreciated that because I always felt like leaving the Jehovah's Witnesses, getting off one track, that I immediately had to jump on another one. So that was encouraging for me.
3: And I know different
2: churches do different things. I do realize that. Um, But when God leads you somewhere, I think you know that's your spot. And I've had challenges with the church that I'm at. Um, But I I think that their overriding principle is that they're a church of love. love. I'm talking about the people, not the building but the, mm-hmm. that they are that they are loving. And that's what Jesus said would be the identifying mark of his disciples. That would be mm-hmm. how you would know who his people were, <laughs> was if they had love among themselves. And wow. the love, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, I'm almost in tears now, and embracing mm-hmm. me after being rejected by a, a, a spiritual community, like literally kicked out with no place to go, that, mm-hmm. that that the embraces from every single person, member of that church, from the front of the church to the back, um, really left an impression on me that, I, you know, I it, it left an impression of Christ, that they were, I guess their uh, motto is that they're a mosaic, striving to live like Christ. And I really was seeing that people were really sincere and were trying to live that out.
1: Yeah. Well, it, I, mean, I mean, it's it's such a, um, it's a book, actually. <laughs> um, right. The story is actually a book, and I'm sure that it would help a lot of people um, that have experienced um, going through the phases of being rejected or shunned out of environments. Because, you know, we see these type of things happening in fraternity orders. We see it happening and. Uh, Cultural norms and traditional norms Um, We see it happen with uh, religion Now when I say religion I'm talking about According to the precepts and laws of man And not uh, under the word and under the authority of God So um, when we look at this situation and there probably are probably or many people out there that are experiencing this because I've I've even um, you know uh, spent a lot of time with people that have experienced spiritual what's called spiritual abuse in in environments where they feel like that I mean they just don't want to go back into uh, any environment because they they're afraid to do so and I'm I'm what I'm saying like spiritual abuse is where uh you you are intimidated um because you don't fit off into the scope of something uh you're intimidated and 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 harassed um and and a lot of times you know as you have said some of these things extend outside of the 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 church because you may work with uh some of, some people or you may um belong to other organizations where you interact with people and and um it becomes very um uh, you know it is it's very sad that anyone would have to face something like that because of um, orders or uh, rules and regulations and and, mm-hmm. and legal uh, you know legal remedies and legalistic mm-hmm. uh views and it, no one should have to feel that way that if if you don't go off into this environment you're 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 not you're not of god you're not a child of god and that that simply is not true because um as we grow in God we learn things differently so what would you say to someone out there uh that may have experienced it how would they how how could they overcome uh, this form of rejection? Because there's so many people that that are going through this right now, and, and it's like they don't want to even go. Some don't want to go to the church. They don't want to go to work. They don't want to go to certain places. It's like they hate the fact that they have to get up in the morning and go off into this work environment where they know they're going to be oppressed and depressed.
2: How do they handle? Well, God is a rescuer. I mean, I I think in those environments, especially in my hardest moments, working in the job where it was hard to, uh, where I couldn't communicate, where I tried to communicate but they wouldn't communicate with me, or uh, trying to just do my everyday job, it was hard because I. Like you said, it felt like rejection every single time, and I was experiencing that every single day, all day long, because I was in a position of um, a management position where I had to, you know, interact with the employees that I was working with. So it was really hard, but I will say that learning who I am in Christ, learning who my identity Mm. was in Christ,
3: Mm. it
2: when they stripped me of it as a jehovah's witness, um
3: mm-hmm. when
2: they tried to strip me from it from me as my own my job, I had to realize that my identity was not i had to realize who I was whose I was and not who I was I guess it's just been my experience after leaving the jehovah's witnesses i mean we were just discouraged from making friends outside of the religion we were discouraged from pursuing higher education or even being in environments where we to meet a lot of people. and But when Jesus came into my life, I mean, I, I personally didn't know how to, to express love like Christ. I had mm-hmm. trouble. Uh, like I said, I had a complicated relationship with church, period. But I guess my whole thing is knowing who you are in Christ and knowing mm-hmm. who um, that sitting with Christ, like the Scripture says, sitting with him in the heavenly realms above, knowing that that is a reality now for all of children of God, not just a promise for the future, that you know, he gives us a position of victory because he's our king. So when I realized that he was the king of my circumstances, that he was the king of my job, he was the king, even of the Jehovah's Witnesses who didn't acknowledge him as king, it Mm -hmm. helped me overcome trying circumstances and let me know that I could rest in the arms of God. And, you know, I had to just come to a realization that I may never be whole on this side of heaven, you know, That, but I have to realize that God, but I have realized and come to me realize rather that, you know, God will always step into the broken places. He has yes. done that time and time and time again. And he said, mm-hmm. he does that by the same spirit and power that raised our Christ from the dead. So if he can mm-hmm. do that, mm-hmm. Jesus Christ, He can raise us above the problems in our lives, on our jobs, or in the church. He can raise us above our own heart and our own minds and our own flesh so that we could be in a reality that we pass over into that carnality over Mm -hmm. into a spiritual so that we can enjoy him not just now but for all of eternity. So I had to get an internal perspective too.
3: Not
2: just living for the moment.
1: Yes, 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 yes. I like that. I like what you're talking about because you're talking about, you know, moving past uh, the fleshly side of where we see and smell and hear and taste everything, is where it begins to work inside of us, and it begins to move inside of us
3: and transform
1: us, holy spirit, into its light, His lightness. Um, what does it feel like to be transformed and renewed now? mind after being, you know, uh, after, you know, making that choice to not be um, a Jehovah Witness member? What does it feel like to be um, walking
2: to a new mindset? It feels like freedom. It feels like freedom in Christ, not the type of freedom where you just feel like you're licensed to do anything under God.
3: But the type Mm -hmm. of
2: freedom that you can walk and move and have your being in Christ um, and Mm -hmm. to do so without, um, you know, uh, leaders or people of a community lashing out on you for exercising that freedom or in Christ. It's it's a transformation. Not only – I love that part – in in that scripture where it talks about the renewal of our minds and not be transformed. But I love the part where it, it talks about um, by the renewal of your mind. And that's what mm-hmm. I had to do. I had to renew my mind. I had to remember, realize that I may never be a rich woman because of the choices that I made and the sacrifices I made to be a Jehovah's Witness. I may never be in a position where uh, a lot of my hopes and dreams were not realized because um of what I lost and gave up, but the transformation came from me not switching from the to do list of like we were talking about of the flesh or the to do mm-hmm. list of the law um mm-hmm. when we have the fruits of the spirit, you know so mm-hmm. the the trans it's just freedom to be i'm I'm glad to be free to be enslaved to Christ, not to man.
1: Amen, amen. I hear you. <laughs> that is
2: wonderful.
1: <laughs> Let's um talk about you know what are some of the char- characteristics that someone who is in such an environment like that that they may you know need to be aware of that this is not because I heard you talk about a few things there about you know feeling um. You know, which is reflected again to the the flesh side where you feel like you're caged, you feel like um right. you know that you're being watched, that you're you're always being uh poked and prodded uh to, tell me what are some of the traits that someone may need to be aware of to know that they're in um this type of environment that is not good for the mind, body, spirit, nor soul in Christ Jesus?
2: Well, I think it goes back to what you're saying, that being able to quickly identify parasitic attitudes, you know what I'm saying? And, and you can only do that when you're in your word and you're transforming your mind and you like Christ. You can you begin to develop some type of discernment. And then after that, I would say that, you know, it, a few things. One, I would always examine the community that I'm in, to, I call it their Jesus meter. You know, where does Jesus fit in their lives and where does, how do they view Jesus? You know, is Jesus just a man or is he a God? Is he um, a savior or is he a Lord? You know, how, how does this community as a whole view Jesus? Um, how do they act when you disagree? You know, are they wanting to communicate you from or expel you from their group? Um, mm-hmm. I would look at how they interpret the Bible. You know, a lot of us have the benefit, or some of us have the benefit, rather, of going to churches where uh, not only their word field, but their the person who's given the message is spirit field. And some have even gone to, you know, seminary schools to be able to study hermeneutics and textual mm-hmm. criticism to be able to bring to life the text and also stay true to the text. So within my community they had their own Bible that was a big red flag (laughs) had I not been born in as a Jehovah's Witness that would have been a red flag to me like why do y'all have a different Bible than everybody else but um, their Bible was you know, and the Bible that they have is because they don't believe Jesus is God they obscure and change and move around certain passages in order to deny that reality and then I guess Mm -hmm. I was say how do how do these this community view their leaders? are their leaders on par with Christ like do they view them as Christ in the flesh or do they view them as fallible men striving to serve God just like you and then lastly the what drew me in to the community that I'm at now at this church is love you know are mm-hmm. these people loving these are that is what Jesus said. Will identify those who belong to him, those who's his disciples. If you have love for, among yourselves, and that was after telling him, telling his disciples that we must love our God with our whole mind, strength, you know, um, with everything that we have, you know, that are they loving towards each other? Are they and not the love bombing that I endure? I endured as a Jehovah's Witness,
0: where it's a
2: practice love that they hugging you and loving you because they're told to from a platform or from a, uh, you know, a stage. But the kind of love where, you know, in your darkest hours, they'll come into the brokenness with you and pray with you and, you know, Mm -hmm. cover you, you know, during Mm -hmm. seasons of brokenness and where you need them the most. And so, yeah, I would, it's their Jesus meter, how they act when you disagree how they interpret the Bible, how they view the leaders, and
3: whether mm-hmm. or not they
2: truly have love among themselves. Those are some things that I will look for to see if my community or my environment has the authentic mark of Christianity. Amen. Now, how important,
1: I mean, because you, you talk to You said some key points there. You said, based on what you're saying, I'm just going to summarize it a little bit. Um, The word of God. Right. The word of God and that true intimate relationship with Jesus Christ is going to be the most important. But, you know, you went to a different level because you said someone that was spirit field, someone that had the Holy Spirit with them
3: was teaching.
1: Right. Uh-huh. And I'm sure that it resonated uh you know, into your spirit and you, you realize there's more to it than just the word that you've been taught. Amen. Amen. Okay. Would would you like to share a little bit about that? Because you know, I think a lot of times we get a little confused And the, the, you know, people are walking into the church and sitting on the bench, leaving their Bibles at home, um, right. hearing, the, hearing the sermon, then they go home and there's no change in their lives. Uh, they're not experiencing something different in their lives with their relationship with Jesus Christ let's talk about that tell me what made that impact that change for you we know that it was a spiritual teaching but uh how did
2: you come to realize that you know it it's a process it's something that i'm still it's ongoing because i'm all, i'm always exposed to so many different types of teachers because even though i attend this church um mm-hmm. I you know, like I said, the church is, you know, itself sometimes we get or mix up or forget that the church is not a building but the people that's in it and for me I've been exposed to so many different pastors and teachers because I'm always, you know, trying to listen to different sermons, you know, whether I'm listening to them online or visiting other churches and stuff like that. Um, I think for me, Connecting with the words that are given from the person, whether it be a pastor or not, to like to figure out whether they were spirit filled or whether or not it moved me. It, it, the
1: the word, um, uh, it kind of sounds like you're saying that when they're releasing the word of God, that is penetrating into your inner spirit because and it aligns with you know that it is aligning with the word of God, what God's original intent is for that word. Is exactly. That,
2: exactly. Yeah. Because, and that goes back to what you're saying about the renewal of the mind, because it's only by testing by what what people are saying, because we're t- encouraging mm-hmm. the Bible to test every spirit, you know, to inspire expression, you know what I'm saying? So that means if we are to test inspired inspire expressions from God, then how much more so than in, in uh, expressions from a pastor from a church or someone that may uh, who are, is representing God in that capacity so I guess for me the word you know you it's like what you said earlier you can't just leave your Bible at home you have to know the word once know the word for mm-hmm. yourself
3: mm-hmm. so when you hear exactly. it
2: you know, you know what I'm saying it does resonate with you the spirit can't resonate with something that's with an empty well you know what I'm saying mm-hmm. if I would say, and what I mean by that is that you may hear these words and um, you know go to church to get your ears tickled, but you need to mm-hmm. have you know the meat, the root, the word, of, you know, the word of that's,
3: God,
2: and that's all it really takes. Cause because if the person is preaching broken. the word, it's gonna right. It's gonna, like the Bible says, it's gonna um, it, it it cuts to the marrow. You know, it's exactly. cuts. Through, it divides the spirit. It divides the mirror. If it goes all the way down to the mirror, the word of God, just someone handling it in the right, all it, is all you really need to be able to have the spirit hit you. That's what I think. I don't know. It's, it's an not, ongoing walk with me. I don't know. And it's like, you know yeah, that's that's
1: the Father speaking right there because it's, it's hitting me, and I know that that's in His word. I know it lines up with Him and His His sovereign will, and and His intent. Uh, for his word, so you you know that it's not someone else's agenda coming out of it. you know okay. that it is Jesus Christ um now which makes a makes a big distinction of what is authentic and what is not uh, mm-hmm. authentic what is not really of God, and it sounds like to me like you've read more than one Bible. It's like you've been really searching the truth out in the Word of God. Would you like to talk about that?
2: Oh yes, that's so true. Um, actually, my husband and I we're doing an upcoming video on all the Bibles that we have. <laughs> so funny that you mentioned that because leaving the Jehovah's Witnesses, it was one not leaving but just doubting. It was hard for me. It was it was a not only hard for me but it was a mental gymnastics. I had to do to even want to open another Bible that was not printed from the Jehovah's Witnesses. So when Mm -hmm. I was able to finally go into a Bible bookstore, I almost was in tears because I had never experienced, you know, all these Bibles and all these different books
3: Mm -hmm. and
2: this, this Christian fabric, you know, that I had never, you know, experienced a fabric of books and devotionals and. Bibles and so, yeah, I have so many different Bibles. I think the Bible that I'm currently using is a Bible that is supposed to take um, the cultural experience of, like, you know, teach you kind of teach you Hebrew along the yes. way. But I think the the Bibles that have helped me the most were the journaling Bibles to be able to journal my thoughts and to be able to break chains as I'm going through the Word of God because I know, um, That's
3: good. In the Bible.
2: Yeah, being able to break, you know, going back, and I'm like, oh, I didn't know it said that. You know, I it used to, you know, in my old Bible, it said this,
3: mm-hmm. but
2: I watched God just break change for me, and he did that for, and he's still doing that for years. I can read something and not, and get a different understanding or a different, uh, yeah. it resonates give me different in a different season. But mm. I always remember how Paul says it's not the letter of, but it's not the letter of the law. But the letter mm-hmm. heals is what it says. But the spirit gives life. So the spirit
1: gives Amen.
2: I I don't Amen. I tried to go through the Bible like it says, line by line, precept by precept, but I realize but coming from a legalistic way of looking at scripture, God has broken me out of that and he's putting mm-hmm. me more in 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 passages in in the Bible and even translations of the Bible. That makes the mm-hmm. Bible come alive, you know.
1: Yeah, yeah, and 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 understanding the like the maps and the history and all of those good things about it makes it really come alive to you in time. Um, but um, you do you, you do agree with what is written though? Because I want to I want to make sure that um, we get a very clear understanding of about this legalistic. Um
3: yeah. the
1: Pharisees had their own like rules and regulations which were different from the Word of God. Actually the get if you go into the fullness and depth of the Word of God, they were actually kinda going contrary to it, and that's why Jesus was coming out and explaining, No, this is the kingdom of darkness and this is the kingdom of light. Um so Tell me, um, share your thoughts about, you know, the Word of God as far as, uh, because sometimes people will say, now, this uh, if you apply this in in the Word of God, you're being legalistic. But legalistic is kind of like these precepts and laws that men put together and take the Word of God and entangle and, and it into their rules and regulations. So right. talk about that, because I want to make sure that the audience is clear on what we're
2: talking right. about, well, I love the way John Piper puts it. He, he says that the essence, if I can get it right, he says the essence of legalism is when faith is not the engine of obedience. Amen. Basically, when we're working hard for God in order to earn his favor, we're not operating in faith. Amen. I said we're saying that we have to add to the finished work of the cross you know like Jesus didn't do enough and so we have to work hard to make him happy we have to take it in our own hands to be accepted by God that's legalism but Mm -hmm. the Bible but what's not legalism or I think the confusion comes in is that you equate the pursuit of godliness to legalism Mm -hmm. now that can cause problems because a mistake like that is that you're projecting it, – it, it eventually leads to you projecting judgment on other people or living in a way that's not of God. But pursuing mm-hmm. God godliness and legalism is not the same. Legalism, is, um, to me, is a matter of a heart, not obedience to God and radical love for other people. Legalism is like what we're trying to do to earn God's favor to be saved, not when we're following Jesus because we're saved by grace. So, mm-hmm. and when I learned that, um, you know, as a Jehovah's Witness, when I say legalistic, I mean, in the ways that the Pharisees did, did, where Jesus was saying that you measure the deal, you measure the cumin, you measure measure this, but you don't measure the weight of things of the law, namely faith, love, and righteousness. You know, where they're paying attention to how you dress or, you know, even though we're supposed to be as godly, but if you – let me give an example. Um, As a Jehovah's Witness, you know, if you didn't come to their service, um, I don't know, as a female wearing stockings, or if you didn't come to their services and – you know, were not timely. They would c- call you out on it, or you know, and sometimes it'd be struggling women with babies or something like that, or requiring that you all of your members must do an average of ten hours of door knocking. You know, if you are do- not ministering to people out of your heart, right. you're not really ministering. If you, you you've been told by the church that you have to go out and knock on doors, yeah, you know?
1: doing the work. Yeah, doing the work of the ministry instead of the work of God.
2: It's Amen. Different. And right. And yeah. are we required I mean, are we called by God to preach the gospel? Absolutely. Going out to yeah. service
0: and knocking on
2: doors, there's nothing wrong with that. But it's mm-hmm. where your where your heart is. Are you doing it because, you know, you have a church that is legal listed in a way has, that is telling you that if you don't do a certain amount of hours that you don't look good for the church and therefore you could lose your salvation over it. You
3: know
2: what I'm saying? That's crossing over into something totally different. But we are calling God's
1: people. Yeah, called into man's way. Um, Yeah, I certainly agree with you there. And and I know just from my own experience of going out uh, and ministering to people, uh, doing evangelism, one of the things that I uh, came to realize in, by experience is that when the Lord is leading you to do it, he has a purpose for it, and right. that purpose will be fulfilled. But if we're just going and doing it at our own works and our way, nothing happens. Right. And we're we're not given that light of God in it And that that's what it's all about Is moving based on what, how he wants us to do By the Holy Spirit Amen. And this has really been an awesome um, interview An awesome discussion that we've been having And we do have a caller on the line uh, With us at this time I would like to open up the line caller if you have any comments or any uh, insights you would like to share or have any questions or prayer requests feel free to do so please state your name and where you call calling from and if you choose to remain anonymous you're welcome to do so Okay, Uh, the the lines are open now. If you have anything you would like to say, feel free to do so. Okay, we do thank you for calling in, and we'll continue on with the, the interview at this time. So, again, this has really been an awesome discussion, and I'm sure that it's going to help a lot of people out there who or just, you know, maybe going through this thing, what we're talking about, going through this situation of being shown and experiencing rejection, being oppressed, not being able to speak out, uh, being depressed um, in, in so many ways. I'm sure that um, it's going to help someone out there to know that they can overcome it. They can come out of the situation. They can be free. Um, you don't have to remain off into uh, a situation that, no matter where it is, that that is causing you harm, mentally, physically, spiritually. Um, it's not. It's not worth it. You. You should be able to. Get outside and experience life, and and in Jesus Christ, because that's what we're all here for. He is the one that died on the cross for us. He is the one that gives us life, give us breath to breathe. And without him, we can't do anything. So, if we put our cast our burdens unto the Lord, He will do great things for us. We do have one additional caller on the line. I'm going to open up the lines again to give our um, callers a chance to speak. If you have any insights or have any um, thing you would like to share, any questions or any prayer requests, feel free to do so at this time. We would like for you to state your name and where you're calling from, but if you choose to remain anonymous, feel free to do so.
3: Um, <clears throat> Hi, I just wanted to
2: say hello. My name is Simon. Um, just wanted to thank you, first of all, for having Spencer on. Um, like I say, her story is amazing, and um, every time she gives it, it's uh, a, a joy to hear. And I uh, just wanted to thank you for giving, uh, you know, her her voice, uh, just a platform, just a way to just reach uh, many people who've been through the same type of pain.
1: Amen, amen, thank you for um, sharing that Because, you know, I obviously she's a woman of God And I can tell that the Lord is going to use her greatly in the days to come amen. So we thank God for that That, um, you know, that she stepped out on faith And that the yes. Lord is going to be magnified in it
2: Yes, amen
1: Thank you thank you and you're welcome thank you for calling in and so um i want to ask sister spencer if you could share your final thoughts with the audience if if for anyone out there again that is going through this that um if you can share a word and i want you to also before we close out share where they can reach you at how they can gain access to your ministry um, maybe they don't want to speak now But maybe they're going through a situation like that And they do need healing Healing in the heart Healing in the mind Healing in the soul And we all we all know that it comes through Jesus Christ But the Lord used individuals as vessels Also to break up um, those things That the enemy puts into our heart and our spirit Sister Spencer
2: well, I guess as a final word, I would just say that you know, don't give up. You know, when you are in a situation where you feel like you have to step out on faith and people it's a radical move and people not don't understand why you're doing it or you know, or how you're going to do it or you know, you know, or how it's going to happen to remember the promises that God made to you and all of the promises that he has made to us corporately is in the Bible you know that he will never leave us that he will never forsake us every prayer that we pray he hears every cry that we have cried, you know every all of our cries he you know seeks to comfort us and that every time that we come in connection with God that is power you know that everything that we've already prayed for or are going to pray for or is praying for now is already handled by God and that God moves the needle in our lives and, you know, to not doubt, to don't ever doubt him, you know, no matter what it is that you're looking at in front of you and it doesn't look like God. It doesn't mean that um, he's not there in the midst of walking with you. Just believe and pray and just remember that God has something special for you, you know, and that he is a rescuing God. He is coming to rescue some of us who are listening right now and some big prayers that we have been praying for. I trust that he will answer them because he has done so every step of the way. Not only did he deliver my family from the clutches of the Jehovah's Witnesses to the illumination of Christ, but he's given us a new lease on life and given us a new identity in him. And those rich spiritual blessings are our blessings that we can look forward to. We may not can put our hands on it, and we may can't transfer that and spend it in the bank or put it, you know, spend it anywhere. But that's more than what all that we can ever hope for in this life. It was what all the first century Christians looked forward to. It was what Paul looked forward to that day that God will say, "Well done, my faithful servant." And that's what we're all looking for out of this life until we can meet Him and see him one day. So that was, that's what I would tell people is just to hold on to his everlasting arm.
1: Amen. Amen. And there's nothing better than that because he do love us. And uh, when it seems like no one else do. And, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if Some of those that um, have shunned you or that have rejected even you or anyone out there, that maybe even when they go to sleep they cry tears out because they want to, but they just don't know how to walk out in faith. And
3: we're Mm. going
1: to pray that the Lord will break those chains that are holding them captive. Uh, and set them loose from that. And and we want to also pray that the Lord will um, uh, break those soul ties, those covenant ties that are not of Mm -hmm. him, and show them Mm -hmm. the true life of Jesus Christ in Jesus' Mm -hmm. mighty name. Amen. Mm -hmm. Amen. Because that's what it's a a lot of, I mean, because you know that when you said you went into certain church environments, you saw some familiarity there, you know, and and those are like uh, soul ties that, that hold people in bondage to things that are not of God, and soul ties and spiritual ties and, and bodily ties. Um, so they, they are uh, things that have to be broken and only can do that. Only God can bring us into that brokenness where we die to self, and we accept him as our Lord and Savior, and we move and walk in him. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8 that they who walk by the Spirit, these are the sons and daughters of the Most High God. And in Galatians, it says those that are walk and are led by the Spirit, they will inherit the kingdom of the living God, the kingdom of God, and that's what we are all are striving for. So I'm hoping for everyone that is listening out there that you will know that if you continue that race for eternal life, stay on that narrow path and keep your mind focused on that narrow gate, God will be with you along the way. And he will shed his light before you that, that rock that's put before you to stumble over, it, 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 you will it will not be your portion because he will walk you through that path, and you will not stumble. You will not stumble. That is what he has said. So we just have to keep our minds on on eternal things because the Bible says this earth will pass away, Revelations 21, Mm
3: -hmm. and I saw
1: a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth were, were passed away. And there was no more sea. And I, I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Oh, church, are we not the bride? Are we going to be adorned for the husband, Jesus Christ? And it says in 3, And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, no more sorrow, no more crying. Neither shall there be any more pain for the former things or passed away. I I think that's where my hope is. That's where my hope is on -hmm. Jesus Christ and nothing less. So what did he say for us to do for now? He said to possess until he comes. He said to possess until he Mm comes. So as we awaiting waiting for our Lord and Savior Let us be prepared In Jesus mighty name So I want to mm-hmm. thank everyone I want to thank everyone For listening in And I also want to thank Our sister Spencer For coming out And, and sharing um, with us The body of Christ On how to overcome the rejection And stop being a victim Stop being the victim you are made to be a victor in Jesus Christ. And I want to say to the body of Christ, we love you all, and may the grace of our Lord and Savior be with you now and forevermore, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. God bless you all.